Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Hello there and welcome into Crown Corner for the recap of what happened over the weekend against New York Red Bulls. It's a draw, which means one point for Charlotte FC, their first point at home, and they now have four points on five contests played this season in MLS play. Will Palaszczuk, Jessica Charman here with you as we recap things. Um, It's hard to feel, I don't say too unsatisfied by what happened because Charlotte FC had to make a valiant comeback, Jess, but... I think the big takeaway from what we saw on Saturday is we wish we could have gotten those last 20 minutes extrapolated over the whole 90. Maybe the result would have been a little different. Yeah, I think you sum it up very well, Willie P, that you feel mixed emotions because you're happy you've been able to come back because based on the first hour of the game, you really thought that the Red Bulls were going to win because it was quite flat from us, if we're completely honest. But once you made the subs, once you made the changes in the game, the momentum we had in the last 20 minutes, fighting back, getting the goal, it it felt brilliant. And we were on the front foot. And honestly, I've heard a lot of talk about the lack of stoppage time. And it truly felt, if you'd have given us five, ten more minutes, the second goal was absolutely coming. So based on the first hour, point seems pretty fair. But based on that last 20 minutes, it just feels like you walk away and just didn't quite have that cutting edge to get over the line and grab your first three points at home. We needed some of those fourth officials that we had during the World Cup where you saw some of those eight to ten minute uh, totals as opposed to uh, some of the fours and fives that we're used to seeing. It's frustrating, particularly when they finish it. I get it. Like, it's on the referee's discretion. You don't have to allow them to take a corner. But we literally had earned a corner kick. It felt like uh, the Red Bulls were time-wasting the entire stoppage time. You want to be able to play as much soccer as possible. And yes, time-wasting is part of the game. I'm a big, you know, goalkeeper fan when it comes to managing the clock. It's an important skill to have. But it, it just didn't feel quite fair. But at the end of the day, we've got to get it done in the time that you're given. And unfortunately, we didn't quite have that on Saturday. The unfortunate part about Saturday is that a lot of the game was played at not only New York's pace, but also their terms. The ball was in the air a lot. We know they love to win aerial duels. Explain how difficult that is to play against a style like that when you're not necessarily accustomed to having to try and win the ball in the air and and how difficult it is to get it down on the ground because that's when we know Charlotte FC are at their best clash of styles. Yeah, we didn't really win the duels in the midfield. It was a real difficult match for our midfields. I think one player we pointed out that had a tough time of it was Brant Bronico, and that's because he wasn't able to play at his best attributes. We're all big Brant Bronico fans. He's the heart and soul of this team, and it's no disrespect to him. But because of the scrappy style of play, because of the way that the Red Bulls were able to frustrate and break things down and be ugly and be scrappy, We weren't able to get it done. You talk about the aerial duels, first and second balls. We just weren't quite there every time. And it's just frustrating when you're not able to showcase what you can do. These sorts of sides that you play against, sometimes you have to get ugly. Sometimes you have to get overly physical. I mean, we got physical. There's a lot of challenges we put in. I'll say we had some fire and we 
probably got a little lucky with some of the refereeing decisions too, with some of the uh, tackles that were flying in. Maybe missing that presence of Ashley Westwood in the midfield where he offers both a level head, but also that little nasty streak. I think this is a game that Ashley Westwood would have thrived in in terms of his um, physicality and presence on the field. And we're hoping for good thoughts on Ashley this week as he, uh, with a right quad injury, still trying to get himself back into fitness and training after uh, the injury that kept him out of this weekend's match. Also, Bill Tuiloma, whose birthday it is on Monday when we uh, record this. Also, Jalen Lindsay, they both share a birthday, one of three birthday twins, coincidentally, uh, on the Charlotte FC squad. Uh, when it comes to Tuiloma, looks like he's going to be back in training, according to what Christian Altanzio said post game. I thought Nathan Byrne, you know, the problem is he, he had the one error that everybody wants to talk about. Outside of that, I, I don't know if you could have asked for much more out of him. I think he did an admirable job. And it's so hard when you're a defensive-minded player because you're always going to be remembered by your errors, whether you're a goalkeeper, whether you're a centre-back. You're going to be remembered when you make a mistake that leads to a goal, even if you make three or four game-changing challenges like I think he did. Uh, there were three or four really well-timed slide tackles, recoveries that Nathan Byrne handled expertly. But uh, unfortunately, it's become a common thread at the moment with us defensively just dawdling on the ball a little bit and allowing a team to step. And it, it's frustrating to concede a goal like that. I, I know there's a lot of people saying it was a foul. And perhaps based on the way the referee refereed the second half of the game, it felt like that would have been a foul. And I think we saw some of the players pointing that out to the referee. But unfortunately... You know, when it's a shoulder charge, when it's shoulder to shoulder, you're not going to see those given too often. So it, it was a tough one for Nathan. But I think that we have to try and look at it from afar. And I think that the reason we're frustrated as fans, as fans are frustrated, and understandably so, is because a lot of the nine goals we've conceded so far this season are preventable. Uh, defensive errors, defensive lapses. But we do have to remember the three or four challenges that Nathan Byrne made that could have well and truly led to goals as well. Well, it's it's funny you mentioned the uh, whether or not it was a foul or not. Uh, I know you you always kind of recognize that I, I sometimes look at things with a little bit of you know blue and black colored glasses. You know, I always try to think about it. Not the, a bad thing. Not a bad thing. We want. But even, but but even what I'm saying is if if the situation were reversed and that was a Charlotte FC attacking player and a foul is given there, I'm incredibly peeved and ticked off. So I I think honestly. The foul wasn't necessarily something that I was looking for there. I just I need Nathan to be stronger on the ball and, and not as uh, unattentive to it. And again, I think it just comes back to this ever-changing back four that we continue to have. Some, somebody asked me. The goalkeeper as well. Exactly. And I just think that the, the, the issues stem from the fact that we have shift, been shifting people in and out, in and out, in and out of that back four. It's just we, we just need the same back four and goalkeeper to play the same match two times in a row because it's just that that's the one thing that's been changing and unfortunately it's led to a lot of issues and problems yeah and a lot of that isn't of anyone's fault in terms of injuries you can't control injuries you can't control things like that and unfortunately it also took us a while to find what is believed to be our best squad in terms of the fullback position so hopefully from here on out, we can stay injury-free. We can slot our natural centre-back and Tui Loma back in and they can start building some chemistry. But at the end of the day, the best teams are able to slot players into roles and they're able to do a shift because they understand their identity. And that's what we're really working on right now. I think it's carving out an identity and being able to play consistently. 
There's a lot of angst uh, from people talking about the the constant playing out of the back, which I know you and I have talked about on numerous occasions this season. You know, I personally like it. I'm 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 a fan of a team that likes to play like that. I feel like you know a lot of times going long and direct. You look at the the issues that are created by that against a team like New York Red Bulls. I don't think you really go and, and do yourself a service by trying to to try and beat them at their own game when they are so very adept at doing so. The problem is they just were missing the link-up play in the midfield, and that's something that's unfortunately, like we said, Jess, uh, been a problem for us all year. It's just we can't get that final ball into the last third and and get the guys in dangerous positions. Yeah, and, and I think it is a, a nice style to play, playing out the bat, but I also think it's about freedom of expression and being able to play the ball that you're given as well. Uh, it's all very well and good trying to play out the back 90% of the time, but you have to understand that during that 10% of the time, you can't force it because when you force it, that's when you have the defensive errors. I liked watching George Marks. I think George Marks did a very good job of making decisions on when to go long and when to go short. He did put in some of those long diagonal switches and George has incredible distribution for a goalkeeper, for any sort of player, as does Adelson Melanda. Uh, these players have the ability to put those big switches in and I'd like to see them do that when the time is correct. You don't want to turn into a hoofball team. You don't. Particularly, as we've mentioned, Aerial duels and 50-50 balls aren't necessarily our strongest point. So you don't want to play into a style that's not going to suit you. If we just go long, we're going to turn the ball over a larger percent of the time than we're going to be able to take it down. But the variety is what's important. And I think we've got to be patient. But at the end of the day, we're coming up to game number six. It's time to really get that identity together and understand what we're doing. And I think we, we've been improving. We've been improving in moments. Uh, Orlando was great. Twenty last twenty minutes of this game was great, and we need to bottle up whatever happened in that last twenty minutes and play like that for a full ninety. Because if we do that, we'll be a very hard team to beat. Variety is the spice of life, and there was nothing that I looked at that couldn't have been more spicy than what we saw from Vinicius Mello, his MLS debut. He made an instant impact. Uh, he made the the great service into the box for Kerwin Vargas that led to the own goal that equalized for Charlotte FC in the 74th minute. His debut was probably one of the most anticipated debuts we've seen made for a Charlotte FC player. And I, I swear, Jess, every time we talked to somebody connected with the club, they said you have to see what Vinicius Mello looks like during the preseason. It's unfortunate that uh, the chest injury had kept him out at the start of the season. But if he can get a couple of healthy weeks together in here and maybe even get himself to be 90 minutes fit, he's going to be a real difference maker for this Charlotte FC club. Vinny Mello was incredible from the moment he stepped foot on that pitch. You could tell he was a player that's been waiting and waiting to make his debut just by the way he came on that pitch with another level of energy. He got everyone around him lifted. It felt like the minute he came on, everyone else wearing a Charlotte FC jersey, whether you're on the crowd, whether you're on the pitch, got to their feet and wanted something more. They wanted to believe. They wanted to get back into this game. He put in a couple of crunching challenges. He, you know, sprinted back to get the right side of the ball. And then, as you mentioned, the service for the goal was incredible. The amount of bend he put on that delivery, the right float, the way that it was able to make Cohen Vargas invite him to take that touch out of the air and that control was incredible and I'm excited to see that relationship between Cohen Vargas and Vinny Mello grow because it looked like they were on the same page in fact the three forward line with uh, Enzo Capetti as well just looked more cohesive once they were all on the field together and they looked like they understood how each other wanted to play and I think what we can't understate 
it is the mental resilience it's taken for Vili Mello, who seems to have got blow after blow after blow with injuries. You know, he comes back, then he has to get, you know, his surgery redone, and then he has to have this freak chest injury. And to be able to overcome and have that resilience mentally as a young player away from home, not speaking too much English, it is absolutely admirable. And players with that sort of mental resilience belong on this field. And those are the players that we need on this field that want to play for the Jersey that have waited to play. And I'm just so excited to see him get his opportunity to show this crowd what he can do. Man, I loved hearing from him after the game, you know, being asked about playing on the wing. He said, you know, I want to do whatever I can to help the squad. I don't know if wing is his long-term position or just uh, something you put out of necessity. Best service we've seen all. uh, I didn't know that he had it in his locker, but I'm going to tell you, like the service that he was able to put in consistently from the wing, he's got that as part of his skill set, 110%. I guess that kind of leads me to my next question. Where do you think the best spot for him is? Do you want him in a winger? I mean, I know that Latanzio was loath to use a second striker, but uh, at this point, I think once once he gets to a point where he is fully fit, you can't take him off the pitch. Yeah, and this is where we come into whether we're going to play a formation and fit players into that formation or we're going to pick a formation based on the personnel because we've already had this question about Karis Fideski and mm-hmm. it seems like the 4-3-3-ish is what we're trying to stick with at the moment. So he looked more comfortable in a wing position than Carroll did. He got on the ball more. He was able to show in that 20 minutes more confidence in that role. So... uh we're not the managers, right? And we don't pretend to be the managers. But uh, I think that if we're sticking the 4-3-3 and you want him on the field, you're going to have him as that right wing. But where does that leave Karis Wodowski? And Correct. this is where you get in this position of where, how do we get everyone on the field that's our best players? But at the end of the day, if you force a player into a position just to get them onto the field, we're not necessarily going to see the best out of them. And then they may not be the best player because we're playing them out of position. So, yeah, latanzia has got a lot of tough decisions to make and I don't envy the position he's in, but I do love that we're seeing players thrive coming off of the bench and we're seeing players come back looking really sharp. So excited to see what we can do and how we can get Mello more minutes on the field. Yeah, I don't know how you answered the Carol Svidersky question. Honestly, it was asked to me this morning uh, on Queen City News uh, when we record on Monday morning. And uh, honestly, it's a situation where uh, Christian Latanzio might have a little bit of a runway because uh, he played Friday uh, as of this recording. Again, it's before Poland plays their Monday International Cup match against uh, in, in uh, for the European qualifiers against Albania. So wondering whether or not Sverski gets any time in that contest, that could very much be a factor into whether or not uh, Carroll could see any time this weekend. I don't know if you're going to have him start just because uh, of the travel and everything that is uh, with him coming back west. But I do feel like he probably has another week, does Christian Latanzio, to at least let that marinate. But again, it could be a scenario where I'm not saying you leave Karol Svodersky out of the lineup just based on the fact that he traveled. But I think the one thing we want to see out of this group is chemistry. And I think we saw it in spades with the three up front on uh, on Saturday night against New York. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one because at the end of the day, designated players have that tag and you expect them to be getting minutes. And right now, Josviak isn't seeing too much of the field, which, by the way, I think this was a game that would have suited him and his pit bull nature. I think Josviak could have been a really good um, starter in this game just based on the way that he plays scrappy. And this was a game that needed that scrappiness. But when your DPs aren't playing, you're a little concerned because those are your big number of players that you want to be having an impact. So we'll see what happens with the Caro situation. And I know he is one of the players that gets harshly criticized. I think he has a lot of ability. We just got to figure out how to get that ability out of him because 
we saw moments last season of how Carrasford Earth was able to put this team on his back. And without Carol, I don't think it would have been as a successful first season. But we need to be able to have the players in their best natural position. And right wing just didn't seem to be it for Carrasford Earth. And like we both kind of touched on here, Vinny Mello looked more like a natural right winger than Karis Vodersky did. If you're going to look to put someone in that role that isn't, you know, listed as a winger on your roster per se. My, my whole thing is I wouldn't mind seeing him back at that central attacking midfield position if he went back to a 4-2-3-1 with double pivots at the sixes. But that also uh, begs the question, you know, what do you do when Ashley Westwood is fit? Because you can't play all three of the midfielders that you want between Jones, Bronico and Westwood. Uh, which one is the odd man out when Westwood's ha- back healthy? I feel like, unfortunately, the man is Bronico because uh, of the three, he's probably looked the least solid. And, you know, when it comes to Westwood, Westwood, like you said, would have benefited greatly in this game against New York. And Derek Jones has just picked up right where he's left off and, and done everything that the managers asked for him, including playing out of position during the entire preseason. So uh, we know that we could probably give him a little bit of grace on how he's looked in the midfield, but we haven't had to because he's looked brilliant. Yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. And you got to remember that Bronico also deserves a bit of grace because he was playing left back for two games. So he had to sort of adjust and change his mindset as well. So uh, we've got depth at that center midi position. Do we have, are we we lacking a little bit of creativity? Uh, Maybe. And that's where you might look at Carol at that number 10 role. But again, lots of questions. We don't have the answers. We just talk about what happens. But uh, I'm hoping we can find a way to get our best players on the field in positions they're comfortable with because we want to show our full potential. And we know we have so much potential within this roster, so much talent in this roster. And unfortunately, we've just got to find a way to get it out of the players for 90 minutes straight. You know, I think that's what we're missing right now, a complete 90-minute performance. But I will say, and I think that this hasn't been talked about enough yet, that game felt like a game that last season we would have lost. Sure. Uh, the game management was better and understanding coming back. And I think one point is better than none, even though that felt like three points for the taking, but it's an improvement uh, in terms of game management on last year. Yeah. I made the mark to you on the broadcast. You know, I hate to think that maybe some of that residual scar tissue from the points that we did lose last season in those exact situations. And, even earlier this year with New England uh, being one that you probably could have said uh, been a, a scoreless draw. You know, s- some of those moments might be ringing in the ears and the eyes of, and minds of Charlotte FC players being like, okay, you know, we, we've been in this situation before. We know we haven't necessarily closed it out well, but I still also thought that there was enough daring. I mean, I think they, they, they made the right choices when they needed to. It just, uh, I feel like they, like we said, they just kind of ran out of time, unfortunately. And, and, we both believe that they deserve some more time. Uh, I've talked to many people over the course of the last couple of yep. days who said they really should have had more time in order to, to be able to get a result in this game. And like you said, they were provided with a pretty perfect opportunity off a corner kick that uh, resulted off the set piece that they had already earned. And that was after, like you said, a, a lot of time wasting from New York. I mean, there was the point in time where people have shared this clip on, on Twitter with John Tolkien. Uh, overhand throwing the ball back at Enzo Capetti. I mean, th- th- there was a lot of moments like that uh, for the opposition. It's not a team that I don't think really any people uh, really look forward to playing because of the way of they, uh, way they handle their business. Yeah, John Tolkien definitely hasn't made too many friends in the Charlotte FC community, understandably so. But it- it's a hard one. Like I said, I think the biggest thing we have to remember is, yes, it feels hard done by because of the amount of time that we should have had added on 100%. But if we're able to get up to that speed of play that we saw in the last 20 minutes, even just 
15 minutes earlier, right out of the break, mm-hmm. you you see a result in that game. But, you know, we can't look back at what ifs. Now we have to look at what we're going to do going forward. What are we going to learn from this game? And you've got a really good opportunity to pick up your first points in Canada next weekend. Yeah, they play Toronto on Saturday. We'll talk more about that later on this week. And we'll also have a player interview this week, looking possibly at somebody who played in both of the matches this weekend. And we did want to give some love to Crown Legacy for their inaugural match that uh, you and I both attended on Sunday. Uh, It was an unfortunate defeat at the hands of Huntsville. Uh, The game was 2-2, but went to penalty kicks. That's a a feature of MLS Next Pro that uh, if the game is tied after 90, there is no draw. They go straight to penalty kicks. So it offers a little extra enthusiasm and attraction for those who attend the games that are played uh, for Charlotte for Charlotte FC's club crown legacy at uh, Matthew Sportsplex. $15 tickets for every game, and they're actually back in action on Friday night. So uh, if you didn't catch the first contest, uh, maybe uh, the, the weather might have uh, been a little hairy for you. You can get a chance to be out there on Friday night at 7 p.m., but what did you think of the action? We saw a lot of first-team guys, or at least guys with first-team contracts, playing in the match on Sunday, Jess. It, it was great to see Adam Armour back there with his first professional uh, play since the ACL injury against Greenville and also professional debuts for uh, Nimfasha Birchimus and also uh, Brian Romero, who, even though he played in the friendly against Chelsea, he gets his professional debut with Crown Legacy on Sunday. Yeah, it's brilliant. It, it, this is what it's all about, right? It was amazing atmosphere. Great to see so many fans show up a real family atmosphere, low entry if you're trying to get into the game. And the performance was brilliant. You know, it's disappointing to only get the one point from the draw. It's pretty cool how uh, MLS Next Pro is handling that, though, with the one point, with a bonus point, if you're able to win on the penalty shootout. But it had a little bit of everything. It had some fire. It had some great uh, shooting opportunities. It had chances on goal. And I love seeing that mix of... um, players that you want to see getting first team minutes get a chance to get more regular minutes here and practice and have real competitive minutes like the Ben Bender, Chris Haygott. That was exciting to see Jan Sobinchinski as well, but also getting to see the young blood coming through the academy. And when you're seeing these players that are starting at this level, 15, 16 years old, the sky is the limit when it comes to developing our own players in a region that is so known for youth soccer, like the Carolinas. I am so excited to see the growth of these players and the development and seeing more youngsters get their opportunity through this pathway to pro. They did a great job. Kudos to everyone involved with Crown Legacy FC because it was a great occasion for the club. It would have been the cherry on the top if they'd been able to get that bonus point from the penalty shootout. wasn't meant to be, but uh, lots of high points, including, as you mentioned, Adam Armour coming back. That was a very special moment to see him back on the pitch. Yeah, very much was. And, uh, you know, a lot of these other young players that they've attracted as well, uh, the David Parebas, uh, Tiago Rodriguez, and also uh, we'll get a chance to see uh, Petkovic as well, the the high-priced midfielder when he comes back from Serbia. You know, those are players too that I feel like can maybe push some of these first-team guys, especially if uh, their number is called in any given match, especially because of the way the rules work. Uh, You're able to go up, I believe, four different times from the MLS Next Pro side to uh, the first team. The first-teamers, as we uh, have chronicled before, get free passage between Crown Legacy and Charlotte FC. So if a player is not getting minutes at the big club with a first-team contract, he can stay 90 minutes fit. And I think that's part of the reason why we saw Ben Bender, because, you know, you never know when his number might be called. He got called on Saturday, but then also put in a pretty good shift on Sunday uh, with the match against uh, against Huntsville. Yeah, it's the perfect system of getting these first teamers ready, keeping them fit and seeing what you've got as options out there, creating that competition, creating that depth. By the way, David Pereira looks 
really, really good. That's a player that I have on my watch list. I wouldn't be surprised to see him sneaking into the first team, getting some minutes by the end of this year. Jack Neely there as well after signing his homegrown contract on Friday. The goal's coming from the former University of Portland man, Brandon Cambridge, from the penalty spot. And then Nick Scardina, the former University of Washington Husky, scoring in stoppage time to force the penalty shootout to happen against Huntsville. Again, they're back in action on Friday, 7 o'clock at Matthew Sportsplex. If you want to see Crown Legacy, uh, it's a good opportunity to see local Charlotte soccer because the next two weekends, Charlotte FC are on the road, uh, not only this weekend against Toronto, but also a week from Saturday. They'll have their first trip out to Utah to face Real Salt Lake in uh, what could be only be called uh, uh, a first for Charlotte FC uh, going out there to the Western Conference. But uh, we'll be chronicling all that for you, not just on Crown Corner, but on the Charlotte FC Radio Network this weekend. Uh, we'll be doing, an, again, a player interview later on this week. And also uh, on Thursday, we'll drop our Toronto FC preview. We'll get our first look at the team from Canada and our first visit to the upper part of the MLS footprint. For Jessica Charman, I'm Will Pelagic saying thank you so much for listening to Crown Corner. Please rate, subscribe, and also, if you missed any of our interviews from last week, George Marks, Jalen Lindsay, also Darius Barnes, our conversation on Crown Legacy, plenty for you to get if you subscribe and listen to Crown Corner. We'll talk to you later on this week.